1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Libra Cristo War College. Yes. Libra Crystal War Call. Yeah, this is Wednesday War Callers. My name is Jess Romero, Dan Schneider. I'm on the 10 freeway driving to California right now with the lovely Mrs. Romero. I'm here with Dr. Dan Schneider. We're uh, coming from the great state of New Mexico, talking about all things spiritual warfare. Dan, how are you, my friend? I've uh, missed you for the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah. No, I've been been, been very blessed. It was We missed you last week, but uh, Ernie and I had a, a two-man aircraft and a co-pilot. We did. He did. We did great. Ernie, Ernie's a great guy, and I really enjoy having him on. So we, we go, we go, we go, Cav, we pick on you, you know. Um, because, I know I heard. I heard. Yeah. I, I listened to the shows after. Yeah. 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 No, it's fun. No, no, yeah. we had we had a good show. We're just kind of getting prepped up for this weekend up. Uh, I'll be heading out soon as well over to California and uh, at an undisclosed yeah, location yeah, in California. Yeah. Big conference coming up. Big- Big conference this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. It's going to be Bishop Strickland, Father Chad Ripperger, Kyle Clement, uh, Dr. Dan Schneider. I'll be the MC. Uh, for those of you, uh, the event sold out a long time ago, but don't worry because all you have to do is go to virginmostpowerfulradio.com. You can click on the flyer and you can sign up. And, and the, the conference is going to be streamed online. So you can watch it live from the comfort of your home, from your big screen television. Uh, you don't have to go anywhere. And then you could own the, the, the video after forever. So you can you can share that with you with, with your Bible study group, with your Knights of Columbus, your men's group, your Acts group, your SEAL group, your apologetist group. You're going to have access to that forever. So, um, hey, Dan, I want to talk about, uh, unless there's something else you want to mention about the conference, Dan. No, 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 no. This is great. Um <clears throat> This is a good, I sent you this article on suffering. I was just doing, just kind of putting together some of my thoughts on modernism and I'm trying to flesh out my, uh, the impact of what's of modernism and imminentism in theology of the church. I came across this article, actually a student, one of my students sent it to me and uh, uh, on suffering, I sent it to you thinking, ah, oh, this is pretty interesting, Jess. And, and uh, yeah, you seem to, it seemed to light a few things up in you, uh, your Catholic sensibilities and your biblical sensibilities kicked up. And so we're going to, we, you know, you wanted to talk the whole show about it. So absolutely. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the way uh, th- this is a 28, uh, well, this is a young lady. She's a charismatic Catholic and she wrote an article. Uh, she says that she's, uh, she says she's an author. She says a speaker leads, leads in direct prayer groups, retreats, conferences, and Bible studies. I'm sure she's a she's a sister in Christ of goodwill. But she's been, Dan, she's been watching too much of the TPN channel. And we're going to pick the article apart. And what I mean by that, as I read the article, without a doubt, because the article is called, There is no such thing as redemptive suffering. Ouch. So the author of this article is a female charismatic Catholic. I'm sure she's a good woman of goodwill. She means... She means well, but she's been influenced. You can tell as I read this article 
by the word faith movement, which is, you know, played over and over on the TBN channel, people such as, you know, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagan, uh, Benny Hinn, Robert Tilton, Marilyn Hickey, Oral Roberts. As I read this article, Dan, this sister in crisis, famous Catholic, she twists the scriptures, she engages in eisegesis, and, and I can see that she's guided by her experience and feelings, not the analogy of faith, not the whole of scripture, and not the sacred tradition of the church. Uh, a lot of things that she says, and I'll pull them out of the article, she's basically promoting the prosperity gospel, which teaches, you know, name and claim it, uh, confess it and possess it, uh, health and wealth gospel, blab it and grab it. And so uh, let's jump right into the article, unless you have any, any opening comments like I did. Yeah, no, um, uh, it's, it's uh, the redemptive suffering myth. There's no such thing as redemptive suffering. Uh, the headline itself uh, caught me. Okay, it's a myth. Interesting. Um, so yeah, so um, if you're, she, she goes into the, the mystery of suffering. I mean, there is a great mystery uh, to suffering. And the church is actually has a developed uh, theology of suffering. And, but she jumps in and says, uh, um, you know, how confusing it is to suffer. Redemptive suffering is a teaching that a growing number of in the church subscribe to because it gives people a sense of purpose in the midst of their suffering. True statement. People want to feel holy, and redemptive suffering proponents teach that you are holy by offering your, up your suffering for the sakes of others. Hmm, she's starting to stray. This is false. Okay, this is where she is false. And the teaching they call redemptive suffering Watch delivers out. a false hope. There is no holiness to be gained by being sick. Nothing, as a matter of fact, can make us holy. Wow. Only Jesus does that for us. He makes us holy. We cannot earn holiness through our actions and neither through suffering illness. Suffering illness is not the cross Jesus wants you to wants us to bear. So as I, I started to dig into it, I just pulled out several nuggets like that, um, uh, com completely uh, com just completely at odds with with modern with I mean it's a completely modernist understanding of suffering uh, and, and at odds with the developed church teaching on it. Absolutely. Here's another one, and uh, she says, "You're not alone." I too used to wonder about whether or not God cares about our lives here on earth. Do I just have to suffer? Am I paying a price for my sins? Is God using this to teach me a lesson? These thoughts and ideas come from the pit of hell. Do not fall for them. The devil wants you sick, and he wants God to get credit. Uh, my friend Kathleen McHouston said, we have more in the lethality of cancer than we do in God's faithfulness to heal. Then she quotes a couple of verses on healing from the Old Testament, some in the New Testament, that of course, I think everybody would agree with those verses. Again, in fact, I agree with all those verses that she quoted, but they need to they need to be explained according to salvation and damnation history because you have two things running congruent and salvation history and damnation history. And because of original sin and the effects of original sin, we're all gonna I get old. We're all going to get sick and we're all going to die. And the ultimate, the ultimate perfect healing is going to come at the eschaton. That's the second coming of Christ, where the elect are going to receive their glorified immortal bodies. Uh, and then Christ's victory will be complete. 
In fact, Dan, there's an entire study on suffering. It's called theodicy. It's 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 the it's the study of suffering in theology. You know why God allows people to suffer. You know the whole theology, theology of suffering, redemptive suffering, and this is something that she doesn't mention at all in her article. Commons. Yeah, no, she's she's quoting Wikipedia, uh, and and quoting the Bible and Wikipedia in her definitions. Um, in the Catechism, uh, it says this: Catechism fifteen oh five. By his passion and death on the cross, Christ has given new meaning to suffering. It can henceforth configure us to him and unite us with his redemptive passion. So there's there's the denial here is that there's any meaning in suffering. Again, you you, you know this this idea that you can name it and claim it. It doesn't that doesn't mean that the demon doesn't afflict people through their bodies. But at the same time, uh, so, you know, the voluntary expiatory suffering is part of uh, uh, the deposit of faith. For example. Um, Pope Pius, St. Pius X, Ad Diem Laetitimum, number 22. He gave four marks of modernism, four marks, what he calls the plague of modernism. Uh, modernism, he says, is marked by four things. Uh, he, he does his syllabus of error. He marks out 16 elements of modernism. But in this one paragraph, talking about the Immaculate Conception, specifically, the rejection of the dogma, the fall and original sin as mere fables. Thus, there is no need for Christ, the church, grace, or anything beyond nature. The rejection of the supernatural, the rejection of authority, both civil and, and church authority, leading to anarchy. And finally, the rejection of the law of suffering. The rejection of the law of wow. suffering is part of, is part of modernist thought. Um, two, two saint quotes came to mind, too. St. Faustina, she says, if the, and, and most Catholics know half of this. She says, if the angels were capable of envy... They would envy us for two things. And I always ask, you know, parishes when I'm speaking in conferences, and most of them get the receiving of Holy Communion. But the second one that if the angels could envy is they can envy our suffering, our ability to unite ourselves to our bodily Lord, incarnate Lord, and offering our our suffering up uh, makes angels envy, according to this saint. Another saint, um, Saint uh, Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. She was a Jewish com- convert and scholar who became a Carmelite nun. She was killed by the Nazis in Auschwitz. Uh, and she was, as she was being led away, she offered herself as an oblation for the Jewish people. She was born herself, a Jewish woman, born on the Day of Atonement, became a Carmelite nun after reading Teresa of Avila's uh, 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 interior castle. She said, come, Rosa, her sister, we are going to die for our people. She fulfilled what she had written at, about at Carmel, and here's what she wrote when, when she was in Carmel. When someone desires to suffer, she wrote, it is not merely a pious reminder of the suffering of the Lord. Voluntary expiatory suffering is what truly and really unites uh, one to the Lord intimately. Because, she says, Christ the head effects expiation in these members of his mystical body who put themselves body and soul at his disposal for carrying out his work of salvation. Whether the offering be great or small, you become intimately united with Christ and continue his salvific work. Yeah, let me, let me also quote. Uh, Hold on, we're getting ready to go to break, Jess. We're going to break. Okay. I hear the music. Let's go to break. Wednesday War College, we'll be right back. Stick around, don't go anywhere.
Okay. Jess, we're back. I want to I want to pick up here where she uses Wikipedia. Yes. Redemptive suffering, according to Wikipedia, is a belief that, quote, human suffering, when accepted and offered up in union with the passion of Jesus, can remit the just punishment for one sins or for the sins of another or for the physical or spiritual needs of oneself or another. However, nothing can be further from the truth, she says. There is no scriptural or catechetical basis for this teaching, none whatsoever. Redemptive suffering is a teaching that says it's okay to be sick, just offer it up. This is not God's way. You can't offer up your sickness for someone else or someone else or or someone else for you. Jesus did that for us. Jesus offered himself up for the punishment of sin. He took the punishment due to us. There is no punishment for those who are in Christ. Discipline, yes, punishment, no. I'm going to read a I'm, if you give me a minute here, Jess, I'm going to read something. This is from uh Mystici Corporis on the mystical body of Christ and our union with it. Our, on the mystical body of Christ and our union with it. With Christ, encyclical letter of Pius the Twelfth says there's no catechetical foundation for suffering. Two paragraphs. Paragraph forty-four: God wills, or Christ wills, to be helped by the members of His body in carrying out the work of redemption. It is not because He is indigent and weak, but rather because He has so willed it for the greater glory of His spotless Spouse. Dying on the cross, He left to His Church the immense treasury of the redemption towards which she contributed nothing. But when those graces come to be distributed, not only does he share this work of sanctification with his church, but he wills that in some way it be due to her action. This is a deep mystery and an inexhaustible subject of meditation that the salvation, Pope Pius XII, that the salvation of many depends on the prayers, voluntary penances, which the members of the mystical body of Jesus Christ offer for this intention and on the cooperation of the pastors of soul of souls and of the faithful, especially fathers and mothers of family in cooperation, which they must offer to our divine savior as though they were his associates. One more. For although our say, this is paragraph 106, although our savior's cruel passion and death merited for his church an infinite treasure of graces, God's inscrutable providence has decreed that these graces should not be granted to us all at once, but their greater or lesser abundance will depend in no small part on our good works, which draw down to souls of men a reign of heavenly gifts freely bestowed. If we set our heart on the good things of eternity, if we restrain our mortal body by voluntary mortification, denying what is forbidden, forcing it to do what is hard and distasteful distasteful, and humbly accept as from God's hands the burdens and sorrows in this present life. According to the apostle, we shall fill up with those things that are wanting in the sufferings of Christ in our flesh for his body, which is the church. So our understanding of an ecclesiology, according, this is a book, this is, this is a, an encyclical by Pius XII. We'll get into Pope John Paul next, but this is an encyclical right. by Pius XII on the church, Jess. This is not a spiritual writing on suffering. You want to be a member of the Church of Christ, suffering and offering suffering up is how graces are distributed. The object of graces that Christ acquired on, on Calvary depends, he says, in no, no small part on our sacrifices and our offerings to distribute those graces. What do you think? Yeah, let me. Uh, she, again, she had, this writer has the complete this Catholic writer has the complete Protestant view of 
the body of Christ of redemption, because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter three, verse 14, it says we share in Christ. So let me develop that. We share in Christ, Hebrews three fourteen. Now follow me because Christ is ahead and we're his body. We're the hands of the feet and the voice of Christ here on earth. In fact, St. Paul calls us in Ephesians 2.10. We are God's handiwork. Close quote. So what does God call us to as his handiwork? God calls us to labor in the vineyard for souls. That's why St. Paul calls us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. Quote, we are God's fellow workers. Fellow workers. In what? In saving souls. How? Look what he says here. What we're working, as people in the mystical body of Christ, what we're working towards is the redemption and salvation of souls. How? Look what St. Paul says here. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. I do it for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. Close quote. So St. Paul sees himself as a laborer in the vineyard and a co-redeemer in and through Jesus Christ, because whatever good we do, it's, it's like it says in Romans 11, 36, we do it, quote, from him and through him and to him are all things, Romans eleven thirty six, And the word co, by the way, in Latin means along with, therefore, everything we do as Christians to further the message and the saving power of the gospel is along with and subordinate to the head, which is Christ. Comment? Yeah, no, let's stay in the scriptures. Let's stay in, in, in St. Paul's understanding. His what would be called Pauline soteriology, right? And, and Paul distinguishes, you're, you're fleshing out a distinction that the developed theological language to talk about objective versus subjective redemption. Christ objectively secures with the, the co-redemption, co-participation of the Virgin Mary and the object of graces for salvation. But the distribution, this is Pius XII, when it came to the distribution of those graces, he, we are his collaborators. We are his co-operators. We are his co-redeemers. Co like you say, the cum, Latin means with. So, so uh, Colossians 1.24, Pius XII quotes that, and then John Paul II is going to quote that and start oh, his salvific dolores with that same verse. Here's what he says. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh. I'm filling up what is lacking in the affliction of Christ on behalf of his body, which is the church. And the normal Protestant argument says you Catholics try to work your way to salvation. You Catholics are trying to work your way to heaven. Christ said from the cross, it is finished, right? Well, technically, teleosei, the Greek word, consumatum est in Latin. It is consummated. It has been brought to its fulfillment, its completion. Did not the Messiah have to suffer? He says uh, to, the, to the disciples on, on the way of Emmaus. So think about that. And he also says uh, in Colo uh, Philippians 1.29, for you it has been appointed not only to believe, but to suffer for him. Right. Suffering is part of our it's part of the threefold conditions of discipleship. If you wish to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. That isn't to deny the fact that gifts are active in the church. God heals. Right. Jesus, his very name, God heals. Right. Uh, um, so so he does heal. 
This is another verse that, that was plaguing for a while until I understood this concept. You went to Romans. Here's another one from Romans. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption through which we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness that we are his children. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And I always want to stop at the last half of that verse 16 of Romans 8. And here's what he says. If only we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. So, yep. so you know, First Peter 2, 5. Now, you're the Bible guy. I, I, I'm doing all the Bible verses here, Jeff. I'll, I'll throw it back to you. Make yourselves living, uh, living stones. Let yourself be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You know, though this is this is this is uh, selective inattention that, that yes, many modernist yes. readers of Scripture they pull out and try to proof text Scripture to 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 build their own. We have a developed tradition in the church. We have a we have two thousand years of of developed tradition. I don't understand why Catholics can't look at that tradition and deepen their understanding. Here's something Saint Augustine said. This is not on suffering, but this is this is a warning against against uh, uh, subjective reading of Scripture. This, this is in his uh, uh, um, on Christian doctrine. He says he talks about different people that are going to object to to learning how to read Scripture from the heart of the church. Here's what he says: There is a third class of objectors who either really do understand the Scriptures, or they think they do, or because they they imagine they have attained a certain power of interpreting the sacred books without any, reading any directions of any kind. Um, I, I they will cry out that such rules are not necessary. For anyone, but that everything rightly done towards clearing up the obscurities of Scripture could be better done by unassisted grace of God. So the unassisted grace of God, that God will give us uh, the right interpretation. You just have to read the Scriptures in the Spirit, and you'll be given the right interpretation by God. Augustine's writing in, 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 in you know, the 5th century, Doctor of the Church, right? And he, he's saying... You learn how to read. You learn how to speak to someone else. You must learn how to read the scriptures by sitting at the feet of the church. Amen. I want to go back to Colossians 124 because that one is uh, that verse really basically it answers everything uh, about this article. Uh, in Colossians 124, again, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. Now, that phrase, what is lacking, that is, what is lacking is the suffering that remains for believers in the trials of life. That's what's lacking. Because suffering is a mission for all of the faithful as a mean of conforming ourselves to, God, to Christ. As this is in Romans 8.17 and Philippians 3.10. Suffering conforms you to Christ. Romans 8, 17, Philippians 3, 10. This is what's lacking. So these words could be misunderstood, like, like this author, this female charismatic author. They could be misunderstood to mean that the suffering of Christ was not sufficient. That's what she's actually saying in her article, that some people are actually think that Christ's sufferings are not sufficient for redemption, and that the sufferings of the saints you know, must be added to complete it. But this is, this is a heretical point of view. This is not what we believe. Christ and the church are one mystical person. And so while the merits of Christ are infinite, we know that, the saints acquire merit in a limited degree. That's us. So what's lacking, it, it pertains to the afflictions 
of the entire church, you and I, to which St. Paul adds his own amount. And, and, and in regards to suffering, suffering, St. Augustine said, what happened to the head will happen to the body. Suffering should be an imitation of God who took suffering upon himself in this life. And, and our pain is the completion of what is lacking, as St. Paul said, in the sufferings of Christ, because it makes the application of the merits of his passion more effective and more souls can be saved as a result of our sufferings if they're united with those of Jesus Christ. Also, one more, another Pauline soteriology or Pauline uh, understanding of salvation in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 5 and 6. St. Paul says, quote, for as Christ's sufferings overflow to us, so through Christ does our encouragement also overflow. If we are afflicted, it is for your encouragement and your salvation. If we are encouraged, it is for your encouragement, which enables you to endure the same sufferings that we suffer. In other words, what does St. Paul just say? Christ's sufferings overflow to us. Like, All right, we're going yeah. on break, Jess. Yeah, we'll be right back. Stick around. All right. Wednesday War College. All right, Jess, we're back. I'm going to read something. I'm going to keep going here, all right? Yeah, then let me just tell, tell the audience what we're reading. That, that okay. we're, uh, we're, we're commenting on an article, a poorly written article called There Is No Redemptive Suffering, written by a female Catholic. I'm not going to mention her name. On the bottom, it says here of the article, it says, when I was 28 years old, I had an encounter with God that changed my life. Praise God. I'm glad she did. So did I. She says, since then... I have been serving the Catholic community full-time for over 30 years. So she's got to be around my age. Over 30 years as an author and speaker, leading and directing prayer groups, retreats, conferences, and Bible studies. He is calling you too. He is standing at the door of your heart right now. Uh, that's basically my life. She just basically said the same thing that happened to myself. But again, I'm not plugged into the TBN channel to the Health and Wealth Gospels. I'm plugged into the Catholic Magisterium of the Church. Uh, sacred scripture, sacred tradition, and the magisterium. All right, Dan, go ahead. All right, so we can't talk about suffering without this this um, this armor piercing bunker bunker piercing bomb, smart bomb of Pope uh, Saint John Paul II, Salvifici Dolores, on the Christian meaning of human suffering. He opens up with the same verse that we've been kind of fleshing out. Declaring the power of salvific suffering, the Apostle Paul says, In my flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. Now this is what the article goes on to say. Redemptive suffering teaches that we can, we can unite our suffering with the passion of Jesus. This, I think, is the cruelest piece of this teaching. Of course we do. We unite everything, our entire lives to the passion, um, etc. But this, uh, um, we cannot pray for someone else's freedom from punishment. This is impossible. There's no such thing as redemptive suffering. That's, That's a pretty bold claim. Yeah, the author says. I'm back yeah, on not her, Paul. not John Paul. Yeah, not John but Paul. I'm going to respond with John Paul. Okay. We cannot redeem ourselves, let alone anyone else. If we could, we wouldn't need Jesus. Each person has to turn to Jesus themselves and receive from him the free gift of healing and life. He cannot and will not use your suffering for someone else's good. Here's what John Paul II says. 
Suffering, he says, is a vocation. Christ does not explain in the abstract the reasons for suffering, but before else, he says, follow me, come, take part through your sufferings in this work of saving the world, a salvation achieved through my suffering, through my cross. Gradually, as the individual takes up his cross, spiritually uniting himself to the cross of Christ, the salvific meaning of suffering is revealed before him. He does not discover this meaning at his own human level, but at the level of the suffering of Christ. At the same time, however, from the level of Christ, the salvific meaning of suffering descends to a man's level and becomes, in a sense, the individual's personal response. And it is then that man finds in his suffering inferior peace and even spiritual joy. He continues, I'm in paragraph 27. The discovery of the salvific meaning of suffering in union with Christ transforms this depressive feeling that we have when we suffer. Feeling faith and sharing in the suffering of Christ brings with it interior certainty that the, that the suffering person completes what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Colossians 1.24, the certainty that in the spiritual dimension of the work of redemption, he is serving like Christ, the salvation of his brothers and sisters. In, he is carrying out an irreplaceable service in the body of Christ, which is ceaselessly born of the cross of the Redeemer. Remember, Christ left his side open, right, in a sense. Spiritually, his side was pierced, leaving open the distribution of graces. This is what he's referring to. It is precisely suffering permeated by the spirit of Christ's sacrifice that is the irreplaceable mediator and author of the good things which are indispensable for the world's salvation. It is suffering more than anything else, which clears the way for the grace which transforms human souls. Suffering more than anything else makes present in the history of humanity the powers of redemption and opens up the way of victory of these salvific powers, our suffering, in union with his. This is, this is you know, Pope St. John Paul II. I mean, this is a beautiful document. I've had people, I have a good friend who's, who's blind, and he's had people... Uh, Protestants specifically that he works with saying, if you just had faith, you wouldn't be blind. If you if you would just claim it and claim in the name of Jesus, you wouldn't be blind. And the graces that that robs him, the church of, you know, Christ can heal him at any time. But the glory, the merit that he's growing in through his suffering, right? The eternal weight, weight of what does St. Paul also suggests in Romans, this momentary light affliction will produce an eternal weight of glory. The eternal weight of glory for those who suffer, uh, uh, like my friend the, my friend who's going blind. It's not because he doesn't have faith. In fact, his faith has been deepened through his suffering, and this is in complete conformity to what Pope John Paul II is saying in this document. Here's another thing, Dan, that the author says that's completely taken from the prosperity gospel, the TBN health and wealth gospels. She says in this one paragraph, she says this, instead of admitting we lack faith, People would would rather would rather would be considered holy would rather be considered holy and long suffering and endure sickness for a higher cause. Just admit you lack the faith to believe. Again, that's that's TBN channel prosperity gospel of phraseology. She says, admit it and get more faith. She says, I know I'm tempted over and over again to endure symptoms simply because I don't want others to know I don't have faith. This is, she goes, this is pride and arrogance on my part. The good news is we just need more faith. Agree that you may be the reason you are not healed and not God. We all doubt you're not the only one. You're not alone. We just don't have faith. But the good news is that faith is available to us. 
I can't believe that she's a Catholic writing this and people even take her serious. And she's a leader. Uh, I'm reading her bio, 30 years leading conferences, Bible studies, seminars, et cetera, et cetera. This woman's dangerous, Dan. I'm going to tell you something right now. Please I, I was born and raised in Southern California in the San Fernando ba Valley, which is, uh, that's, that's where I, I was on the east side. On the west side, we have all the Hollywood actors, all the rich and famous, all the pornography smut directors and producers. They all live in the west side of the San Fernando Valley. I lived on the east side. I can tell you this right now, is that uh, what, what the, every single Pentecostal storefront in the San Fernando Valley that I was born and raised in, my family still lives there, all of them, all the pastors, males and females, are ex-charismatic Catholics. You go to any Pentecostal store from church in the San Fernando Valley, all of them came from Catholic charismatic prayer groups that will that were malformed, just like this woman right here. People read this woman and take her serious. They're going to start their own, you know, Johnny Kamele denomination. This is upsetting to me because I've seen this all my life. And don't get me wrong. I came through the charismatic renewal. But I embraced orthodoxy. I embraced doctrinal orthodoxy and liturgical orthodoxy. And so I'm not uh, I'm not casting aspersions on the charismatic renewal. I'm just saying you've got to hinge yourself to the magisterial teachings, not to the TBN channel. This entire article so sounds like something, you know, Marilyn Hickey or Fred Price wrote it. Let me mention something where St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 and 9, because she says, she says, oh, the reason you're sick is because you don't have enough faith. She said, that's what she just said. Well, let's take a look at St. Paul. Second Corinthians. Yeah. He said, and to keep me from being toilated by the abundance of revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being toilated. Three times I besought the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. I will all the more gladly boast of my weakness that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Close quote. So notice, scripture is silent on what the thorn refers to. We don't know. But St. Paul, his illness, so Paul could realize his dependence on God. Of course, it was unpleasant. What this author is that our interior disposition, our willingness to pray and suffer, are the marks of true men, of some true Catholic women. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, um, again, it's misdirected. You know, um, we're talking, you hear a lot, we're going to hear a lot about modernism because we have to look at the roots of what's happened to us. Um, the modern heresy, modernism, uh, Pius XII calls it the summary of all heresies, particularly in that it identifies truth not by any objective criteria, but through some subjective reality. So, so we see this also in, in something called immanentism. Which these are fancy terms, but they but if you understand what they mean, they're not as fancy as they sound. Father Ripperger defines this uh, as a philosophy which holds that anything of importance is contained within the individual. That is, the individual becomes the measure or standard by which we are the judge. 
Imminent comes from two Latin words, im manere, and, and manere, which means to remain in. Thus, imminentism essentially holds that exterior reality is not important except to the extent that we can express ourselves in it. What is really as important is that which is in ourselves. The result of this is that the truth contained in scripture, but also the nature and reality of the church, the authority, dogma, doctrine, morality, even human sexuality and gendered are all understood by one's own subjective standards. This is where it gets very dangerous is that is that now with the, the with the Internet, there's a lot of good stuff out there. There's a lot of good videos. Father Ripper's got tremendous videos out there. Um, there's a lot of really good Catholic information, but there's a lot. Of, but anybody can say anything they want. And we're seeing a lot of modernist modernist uh, um, theologies and spiritualities out there that are just infused with the, the, the religious modernism started with the Reformation, started with uh, Martin Luther. All right. So we look like we lost Jess. Uh, I think he's trying to make it back on. All right. So um, moving forward, let's go back to the catechism uh, um, 1505. Moved by so much suffering, Christ not only allows himself to be touched by the sick, but he makes their miseries his own. He took our infirmities and bore our diseases, but he did not heal all the sick. His healings were a sign of the coming of the kingdom of God. They announced a more radical healing, the victory over sin and death through his Passover. On the cross, Christ took upon himself the whole weight of evil and took away the sin of the world, which illness is only a consequence. By his passion and death on the cross, Christ has given new meaning to suffering. It can henceforth configure us to him and unite us with his redemptive passion. So we see in, in, in redemptive suffering, uh, uh, we see in redemptive suffering, the, the, the union with Christ's suffering. He didn't hear all. He wants some of us to, to carry the cross. And all right, going to break. We're back. This is Wednesday War College. Just remember, Dash Snyder. We're looking at an article called, written by a female Catholic. It's it's just disturbing. It says there is no such thing as redemptive suffering. Everything she's saying has been influenced by the Word Faith Movement, by the TBN Channel, by the Health and Wealth Gospel, by the Name It and Claim It, Confess It and Possess It, Blab It and Grab It. This teaching that she put out is not Catholic. Uh, we have a similar background. As I read her story, she says she came through the charismatic renewal, got evangelized, as did I. The difference is that I embraced liturgical and doctrinal and dogmatic orthodoxy, and she embraced Pentecostal Protestantism. Uh, she's probably around my age. She says, I had an encounter that, with God that changed my life. Since then, I've been serving the Catholic community for over 30 years as an author, speaker, leading and directing prayer groups, retreats, conferences, and Bible studies. Uh, yeah, she's been misleading Catholics for 30 years. And uh, I, I don't know who her pastor is, who her bishop is, or anybody who's her spiritual director, but if she would have ran this article by any, any uh, half-hearted theologian, they would have said, you can't publish this. This is not Catholic. Dan, are you there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm just tracking. Yeah, um, I just want here. Here's a verse, Dan, that it just it's put to rest all of this, where she says, "Sickness is not a cross you have to bear. 
We hear, we grew up hearing offer it up and carry your cross. I want you to introduce, I want to introduce you today that sickness is not something we want to embrace. It is not something we are meant to live with and put up with. Contrary to popular belief, sickness is not a cross you have to bear. You can't bear it. Sickness and disease, mental illness and pain is unbearable, which is why Jesus bore it for us. Look what Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says. Luke chapter 9, 23, it says, quote, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and, and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him take him, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Close quote. The cross is an instrument of torture. Uh, you're breaking up again. Offer Jim. it up. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Dan. Pick it up. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah. Here she also says, as Catholics, we sometimes believe the myth that if we endure depression or disease, we will somehow become holy and earn rewards in heaven or pay our way out of purgatory. We have led to believe it is a cross we wow. must have to bear. Wow. You know, this, the, look, we, we she, the, she's got one foot off the church, Dan. I'm telling you. In, yeah, in her no, heart. The, in, the her heart. Story, in the catechism, Jess, you probably know chapter and verse, but, you know, she's the catechism talks about she's a theological modernist. The temporal punishment due to sin, right? Temporal yeah. punishment due to sin. There is, there is, there is, a, there is atonement we need to do. There is atonement. Now, that, that being said, there's a prayer that 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 we teach that Kyle came up with a beautiful prayer called the Judo prayer, right? And, it, and it's true that sometimes the demon does afflict you, and you don't have to just take a beating. You can use your, you can use the like in Judo, you use the enemy's opponent against you. You and I were strikers, right? You're, you you were a kickboxer, and I was a boxer. Yeah. I didn't like to really go against Judo guys and wrestlers. Because they know how to they know how to do hurtful things to you when they get you on the ground, right? So the judo prayer goes like this: Lord, I'm suffering this. If this is not from you and is diabolic in origin, I ask you to send it back to its source with a tenfold blessing. If, however, you want me to carry this cross, I willfully accept it. I ask for the grace to carry it, and I offer it up for, you know, whatever. So I'm feel I'm feeling physical sickness. If you if this is diabolic, send it back to its source with a blessing. But if you want me to carry this cross, it could be psychological, it could be diabolic. But either way, if you're surrendering it to the Lord and saying, if this is not, if you want me to carry this cross, I willfully accept it. I offer you for the, I ask you for the grace to carry it, and I offer it up, and offer it up for your family, for the church, and in atonement for your past sins, in atonement for all the, you know, in reparation for all the blasphemous uh, Eucharistic communions that day. There's a lot for your bishop, for the purification of the church. This is entering into the salvific mystery of Christ. This is a practical application of John Paul II's salvifici Dolores. It doesn't avoid the cross. It doesn't say, oh, poor little me, I'm pathetic. I'm going to earn my way to heaven. You're saying, no, I am conforming myself to Christ, and I'm offering all things up to Christ. And that's where the power is. And Christ, as, as, as John Paul says, and Pius the, the, the twelfth, and St. Paul, build, going building on St. Paul, we are his collaborators. We help in the distribution of those graces. And the judo prayer is a great one to, to do that. You and I have talked about experiences with that. You, you know, you might, you, oh, yeah. you had an experience where you went, you went a day or so with this headache that was just grinding it out on you. And finally you prayed the judo prayer and it went away. Yeah, it was diabolic <laughs> affliction, right? It happens to all of us. Yeah. So using the judo it was, it was, prayer is a, is a way of getting into suffering. Yeah. 
Then also, in, in Catholic tradition, in Catholic tradition, you know, she talks about, uh, she's kind of poking fun at this phrase, offer it up. I'm a cradle Catholic, and I too grew up with offer it up. I still hear my mother encouraging me to offer it up. What do you mean? Well, there's an old yeah. morning offering, Dan. This is an old Catholic prayer. It goes, oh, Jesus, through the immaculate heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world. This is part of Catholic tradition. We unite our sufferings with the sufferings of Christ. And, uh, and you know, where, where she talks about, she pokes fun at, 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 at suffering. She actually does. Look at what St. Catherine, a doctor of the church, so I'm going to let a female doctor of the church respond to a female Catholic who's uh, teaching error. Uh, there's a story that goes that uh, the devil appeared to St. Catherine one day and St. Catherine declared her willingness to suffer anything for Christ. At that moment, the devil fled at once, seeing that St. Catherine was willing to suffer anything for Christ, caused the devil to flee. Also, St. Catherine of Siena, she died at the age of 33, having offered all of her sufferings for the unity of the church then in schism. So, so her sufferings, the, the story tells us, caused demons to flee from her as she embraced her suffering for Christ. And also, she died at the age of 33, which means she got sick and died. She, you know, she, uh, you think she died because she didn't have enough faith, like the health and wealth proponent of this article is, is, is alleging. Yeah, you're getting sick because you don't have enough faith. That's why you're getting sick. Are you going to say St. Catherine of Siena, St. Teresa of Avila, some of these saints that died at St. Faustina that died in their 20s and 30s? They died young because they didn't have faith. Are you kidding me? Dad, come in. Yeah, no, I'm um, looking at the prayer. One of the prayers, a prayer of sacrifice. Uh, that the Blessed Mother taught to the children at Fatima, similar to the prayer that you had that you had said. Oh, my Jesus, I offer this for the love of thee, for the meaning I offer this inconvenience, the suffering, whatever, for the love of thee, for the conversion of sinners and reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. I, my Jesus, I offer this for the love of thee, for the conversion of sinners and reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. We see this deeply embedded in tradition. Um, a great resource I would recommend um, is, uh, it, it's a short little booklet, Uniformity uh, with God's Will, San Alphonsus Liguori. Um, that's a great booklet to read. Another one is Divine uh, um, um, uh, St. Claude de Colombier, um, um, Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence. Two little books, uh, little treatises, from saints and a doctor of the church here in Alphonsus that teach us that it's the little things that offering up and conforming your will. Uh, and, and this is, this is one of the most lethal weapons in spiritual combat. This is, this is, this is why uh, I think that the modernist world is trying to push it against it, push against this modernist theology, because this is a, this is a, a, a dirty bomb. This is a suitcase filled with 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 a, a, enough explosives to take out a grid square in the spiritual realm, like in the movies, you know. So th this is this is deep spiritual waters where grace pours out into the world when we can learn how to offer up our suffering. Think about Therese of Lisieux, who offered up. She became a doctor of the church through a very simple way, the little way of holiness, a little way of surrender. A doctor. She's never left Carmel. She went into Carmel at age 15. She died in her early 20s. 
she became an oblation of mercy, she said, and she and and she became through her little way co-patron co-patroness of foreign missions with Saint uh, um, Saint Ignatius of Loyola, co-patron of foreign missions, and she never left Carmel. She died at age twenty-two. How could it be if not the power of redemptive suffering in in the doctrine of spiritual spiritual childhood, spiritual littleness, and offering all things up? We we see this a deep deep spirituality in Therese. And also want to make a comment in this article from this uh, female Catholic. She writes, if you truly believe God wants you sick, then don't take medicine and don't go to the doctor. Uh, she also says, uh, and I can't believe she teaches Bible study somewhere. God does not put sickness on us. Sickness is not from God. In the Old Testament, sickness was a punishment for sin. Not anymore. Jesus took away all of God's wrath when he died on the cross for us. Okay, so so I guess he's alluding to the fact that Jesus died on the cross for us, we're not going to get sick anymore. Not true. St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 and 18, he says, Though our outer nature is wasting away, that's our body, our inner nature is being renewed every day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Because we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are unseen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal, close quote. So the Catholic position is what? Is that we believe in both. We believe that doctors can heal, and we believe that God can heal. It's not either or. It's both and. We as Catholics have access to both. And let me quote finally Adrian von Speer and her book by Ignatius Press. It's called Meditations for a Community. She says, in sickness lies a particular grace. The sick person is helpless, dependent, broken, and open to God. He is ready to beg, and God can heal him. Grace can find a foothold in every humble plea. Close quote. Dan? No, I mean, um, the tradition is overwhelming. Again, the one of the marks of modernism, the plague of modernism, Pope St. Pius X says, a rejection of the dogma of the fall and original sin. Uh, it's, a, it's a lack, even if you might agree that there was a fall, but it's a lack of understanding. It's, 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 a, it's a, uh, a lack of understanding of the effect of the fall and, this, and sinfulness in human nature and the need to militate against that by, by, by small little penitential sacrifices and, and large ones if, if God is asking you to carry that cross. Homosexuality, sickness, blindness. God asked certain people to carry this cross, and we're seeing this in the whole homosexual agenda. It, it's a rejection of the cross. It's a rejection of the yeah. cross. You know, the, the natural law that God has, that God has written as, as well, it's called the second law of thermodynamics. That means all matter will decay and decompose. That's a wrap. Wednesday War College, okay, we're out, EOW. See you next time. See you this weekend, Dad. God bless. God Keep bless. Thank you. Yep, you got Big it. Big travels.